You're listening to the Redeemer London podcast. For more information, visit our website at redeemerlondon.org. Genesis 17. Last January, we did, golly, was it 12 weeks in Genesis, Genesis 1 to 11, and we called it Gospel Foundations. And now we're going to cover chapter 12 to 50, and we're calling it Gospel Story. This week, we're going to look at Genesis 19, verse 1 to 29. It's quite a long passage, but this is the Word of God. Father, as we look at your Word, let us be humbled. Let us listen. Let us obey. Let us be inspired. God, we don't just want to rush in and suddenly think, oh, that's interesting. God, we believe the Bible is God speaking to us for today. Whatever 2022 holds, this is relevant. And so we ask now that we'd hear your word and have the courage to obey it for your glory. Amen. Okay, Genesis chapter 19. And I'm going to read 29 verses. The two angels arrived at Sodom in the evening and Lot was sitting in the gateway of the city. When he saw them, he got up to meet them and bowed down with his face to the ground. My lords, he said, please turn aside to your servant's house. You can wash your feet and spend the night and then go on your way early in the morning. No, they answered. We will spend the night in the square. But he insisted so strongly that they did go with him and entered his house. He prepared a meal for them, baking bread without yeast, and they ate. Before they'd gone to bed, all the men from every part of the city of Sodom, both young and old, surrounded the house. They called to Lot, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us so that we can have sex with them. Lot went outside to meet them, shut the door behind him and said, No, my friends. Don't do this wicked thing. Look, I have two daughters who have never slept with a man. Let me bring them out to you and you can do what you like with them. But don't do anything to these men, for they have come under the protection of my roof. Get out of our way, they replied. And they said, this fellow came here as an alien and now he wants to play the judge. We'll treat you worse than them. They kept bringing pressure on Lot and moved forward to break down the door. But the men inside reached out, pulled Lot back into the house and shut the door. Then they struck the men who were at the door of the house, young and old, with blindness. So they could not find the door. The two men said to Lot, do you have anyone else here? Sons-in-law, sons or daughters, or anyone else in the city who belongs to you. Get them out of here, because we're going to destroy this place. The outcry to the Lord against its people is so great that he has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law, who were pledged to marry his daughters. He said, hurry. Get out of this place, because the Lord is about to destroy the city. But his sons-in-law thought he was joking. With the coming of dawn, 
the angels urged Lot, saying, hurry, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, or you will be swept away and this, when the city is punished. When he hesitated, the men grasped his hand and the hands of his wife and his two daughters and led them safely out of the city, for the Lord was merciful to them. As soon as they brought them out, one of them said, flee for your lives. Don't look back and don't stop anywhere in the plain. Flee to the mountains or you will be swept away. Lot said to them, no, my lords, please. Your servant has found favor in your eyes and you have shown great kindness to me in sparing my life. But I can't flee to the mountains. This disaster will overtake me and I'll die. Look, here is a town near enough to run to, and it's small. Let me flee to it. It is very small, isn't it? Then my life will be spared. He said to him, very well, I will grant you this request too. I will not overthrow the town you speak of, but flee there quickly, because I cannot do anything until you reach it. That is why the town is called Zoar. By the time Lot reached Zoar, the sun had risen over the land. The Lord rained down burning sulfur on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens. Thus he overthrew those cities and the entire plains, including all those living in the cities, and also the vegetation of the land. But Lot's wife looked back, and she became a pillar of salt. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and returned to the place where he had stood before the Lord. He looked down towards Sodom and Gomorrah, towards all the land of the plain, and he saw dense smoke rising from the land, like smoke from a furnace. So when God destroyed the cities of the plain, he remembered Abraham and he brought Lot out of the catastrophe that overthrew the cities where Lot had lived. Wow, it's a challenging passage, isn't it? Happy New Year. (laughs) This is the Bible. And I don't want to feel like we just hide from some of these stories. I feel that it's a very interesting and exciting thing for us to look at. Last week, uh, we were on Zoom, and I I talked about Abraham. And and, and in some respects, he's the great hero of of this. He's a man of character, generally a good guy, maybe easy to be intimidated by. This week, it's Lot. (laughs) I mean, if we're really honest, there's not much positive to say about the guy. We've discovered him once already in Genesis. He was captured by some kings and had to be rescued by Abraham. If you read the rest of the chapter, he has drunken sex with his daughters. In fact, after chapter 19, we never hear from him again. This chapter, I feel like it's a series of 24 I don't know how many of you have watched that. You know, 24 hours and action-packed. And I think that is true of this chapter today. I've called this sermon, The God Who Rescues. The God Who Rescues. So let's quickly go through it together. I'm going to cover 24 hours. 
just in the next two hours. Okay, 25 minutes. Evening. The clock is ticking in evening. It says, doesn't it, the two angels arrived at Sodom in the evening. This feels like a story introduction. These first three verses. It says, two angels come to bring God's judgment, and there is a meal of bread without yeast. If you've read any of the Bible before, what does that remind you of? The Passover. So what we know, don't we, is that the Israelites had been slaves in Egypt. And we know that God was coming to bring judgment. He sent an angel to bring judgment. It was at night. And we know that because it was so quick, he said to them, you haven't got time to make bread with yeast. Make bread without yeast. If you read the Bible, you understand that the, the Exodus narrative, the breaking out of the slaves from Egypt, is one of the sort of great escapes. It is the rescue story. Ah, so here... We've got clues to that already, right at the beginning. A rescue is about to occur. A rescue is about to occur. It quickly jumps on, verse 4. Before they had gone to bed, it is night time. Lot and his family and the two angels go to bed. The young and the old, they're about to go to bed, gather outside. Lot's house, they literally want to gang rape his guests. In a land and society that esteems hospitality, this would have been offensive and shocking to all cultures. We know that Lot loved the city. You can read in Genesis 13 that Abraham lived in the land of Canaan while Lot lived amongst the cities near Sodom. And then the next chapter, chapter 14, we read that he lived in Sodom. In fact, at the beginning of this chapter, chapter 19, we think he was possibly an elder of the city. Because in the book of Ruth, if you sit in the gateway, that is the place of eldership and responsibility. It's a place of business and influence. So Lot is there in the city. He calls them friends and brothers. They reject him. The men are going to attack Lot and his house, and Lot is unable to save the city. The city is in a mess. I am not here to throw stones at what is going on in the city. The city here is in a mess. I think the challenge, though, with this passage is that we can think we're in the house and we're the good guys and the people outside the house are the bad guys. We make life too simple, don't we? And it's like, oh, well, if you're good, then good things should happen to you. And I'm good because I'm here at church today. And if you're outside, you're bad. I am not doing a parenting talk this morning. Let's be honest. If Lot was your dad, how would you feel? You know what I'm saying? Oh, look, there's this whole gang outside that are out of control, that are violent. You say, fine, have my two girls. That is horrific, isn't it? You can't tell me Lot's a good guy. I know that in 2 Peter, some of you will say he is described as a righteous man, but that is not the picture that is being painted in Genesis. In fact, at this nighttime story, Lot is unable to save 
himself. He goes out, doesn't he? Almost brave and, and he's, he's confronting this crowd. But then what happened? The crowd get out of control. And so then who saves Lot? The, literally the men put their hands out and they grab. He cannot even save himself. Yet the angels we discover, who are obviously representation of God, the angels are there to save as many as possible. They urge Lot. Think about it. They say, come on, who might you have any influence with? Look, if that guy is going to marry your daughter, surely you've got some influence in his life. Go and bring them in. Sons, daughters, anyone. We're desperate for you to save as many as you can. And Lot cannot even convince his own son-in-law. You're going to join my family. Come with us. They laugh at him. Lot is unable to rescue anyone. And then what we do discover at dawn, verse 15, it's action-packed. It says, with the coming of dawn. Now, again, we read this in the context of the great story. We can't just look at one chapter and think, oh, well, that's really interesting. Little detail. wonder why I put that in. This is the Bible. It is one story. We know dawn is a time of salvation. The prophet Isaiah, come on, we read it for Christmas, isn't it? The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. It was a picture just to say, hey, salvation's coming. Breakthrough is coming. Oh, oh wow, the rescue story is picking up pace. For those of us that can now read the New Testament, the life of Jesus, we know, don't we, in Matthew 28, after the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the others went to look at the tomb. What did they discover? The tomb is empty. He's risen. Oh, wow, dawn is this. Come on, look, if, if we were sort of drumming out, the, the tension would just be upping all the time. The angels urge Lot, hurry. Lot hesitated. The ESV translation says Lot lingered. Are you lingering? At the start of this year, have you just gone a bit slow on God? Hey, I want to think it through. Someone's always brought a word, haven't they? Are you going to seek God? Well, I'm not sure, actually. I know I want to move house to a nicer house. I know I'd like to change my career this year. I don't know about God. The danger often is that with Christianity, we think we make a decision for God. We can almost think, oh, yeah, I'm just, just going to linger this one through. I'm going to think it one out. Whereas actually here, there's this sense of urgency. The rescue here is an urgent thing from the angel. The angel has pulled Lot back into the house. Now he ends up grabbing his hand. It's almost, come on, don't wait. Judgment is coming. And he literally starts grabbing Lot's wife, Lot's hand, Lot's kiss. Come on, let's pull them out. Let's take them. Yeah, someone's already embarrassed they sat in the front row, aren't they? <laughs> but that's the biblical picture, isn't it? Some of you think, oh, I'm glad I sat at the back. Right, I'm going to come and pull every hand I can. 
that's almost the picture in here, isn't there? Look, if Hollywood made this, let's be honest, Lot and his wife would still be in their pajamas, wouldn't they? Because there was a sense of urgency. They got it dawn. The angel says, come on, you've got to go. I am keen to rescue you. Then we get on to the next time scale that's put in there. Verse 23, the sun had risen over the land. I'm suggesting that is like midday. The sun is now high in the sky. Lot has managed to talk his way into not going as far to safety. The four of them are instructed to hurry and don't look back. Lot's wife, we do not even know her name, looked back and died. It just seems tragic, doesn't it? You think this city where everyone, I'm saying Lot and his family, have done wrong. It's almost like we try and bust four of them out. And we lose one. I guess that's true as well, isn't it, in the great Exodus story. The Israelites are busted out, aren't they? You know, if, if, if we know the story, God you know, sends this judgment, he sends this plague, and then eventually, you know, go, let my people go. You know, Moses takes them, million, million and a half, we don't know. And they're, they're through the sea, they, they've escaped from the army. This is it. Until what happens? They sit there and whinge, don't they? Oh, do you remember the cucumbers? Oh, do you remember the leeks, the onions? Do you remember the garlic? Wow, that was great. I'd love to go back. So what happens to them? They all die in the desert. They never make the inheritance God wanted for them. I think that's a challenge for us. Have we started well and will we stop halfway? I think there's a very clear picture in this. There's this rescue and it's, it's almost like, yeah, yeah, I'm going for God. Yeah, I'm going for God. Hang on. Melissa just said, a tithe's the floor, not the ceiling. God, if I earn 30 grand, that's 250 pound a month. That's the floor. I think I'd like to look back. I used to be in charge of all my money. How what? You know, someone says, why didn't you invite a friend to our... I don't know. I I quite like to be accepted. I don't want to ruffle any feathers. I think I'll look back. How what? You you mean you want me to forgive that person at work who stabbed me in the back and got the promotion? I'm not sure I want to keep going this way. I think I'd rather look back. Pete, you encourage me to read the Bible every day? Don't you realize the pressure I'm under? I mean, if I'm going to do Joe Wicks five times a week, there's no way I'm going to read the Bible. This is my plea. My wife's trying to get me into Joe Wicks. Somebody help me. (laughs) We think, ah, it's almost like we get there and we turn around and think, I want to look back. Jesus even used Lot's wife as an illustration. In Luke 17, Jesus says, It will be just like this on the day the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, no one who is in his housetop with possessions inside should go down to get them. Likewise, no one in bed should go back for anything. Remember Lot's wife? It's a warning, almost from Jesus. Don't be like those who never made it. Some of you will say, oh, Pete, you've slipped over your 24 hours. Look, I'm in charge of this show, and it's actually going to be about 26 hours. Because in verse 27, it says early the next morning. 
Abraham is up and looks down to see the smoke rising on the land like smoke from a furnace. Look, culturally, we don't like the idea of a God who judges. But it is here in the Bible. Culturally, it's, oh, I'm, not, I'm not quite sure that anyone can do their own thing. As long as you don't hurt anyone else, that's fine. But actually, it starts here, and there's lots within the Bible that there is judgment. There are certain things that we cannot avoid. I've often thought I'd like to avoid gravity. Silly little thing, isn't it? But I think, wouldn't it be great if I could just float out of the window and float home? I don't like gravity. I'd like to ignore it, but actually it's there and it's a reality. Sometimes we like to avoid God's judgment. I'd like to just go around and do my own thing and pretend it was never there. But actually this passage says God does judge. Let's not pretend there's no judgment day. But maybe the biggest question that stands out to you, the biggest question, if I'm honest, that stands out to me in this whole chapter is why did God rescue Lot? Why did God rescue him? I mean, the way I'm reading this chapter is the city was bad and Lot was bad. They were bad. Why on earth did God rescue him? Now, before I rush into this, I guess the honest question is, why would God rescue me? I need to ask that question. I'm not trying to pretend that, oh, there's good and bad people in the world. <laughs> I'm a good person. In chapter 18, we're not going to have a chance to read every single chapter, so you can trust me or you can look it up when you get home. In chapter 18, the angels had met with Abraham. They'd revealed to Abraham, I'm just about to bring judgment on this place. And Abraham prayed. It says, doesn't it, that actually, uh, you know, they say, Abraham says, what, what, what if there's righteous people in the city? And they said, well, okay, if we find 50, we won't bring judgment. <laughs> Abraham says, oh, God of mercy. What about if there's 45? Okay, okay for 45. <laughs> I'm sorry I interrupted you. What about 30? And it's almost like talks God down to 10. And then the angels go. That was the chapter before. How does this passage end? So when God destroyed the city of the plain, which he'd said he was going to do in Genesis 18, he's done now in Genesis 19. When God destroyed the cities of the plain, he remembered Abraham. What had Abraham been doing? He'd been praying. And he brought Lot out of the catastrophe that overthrew the cities where Lot had lived. I would like to suggest to you this morning, God rescued Lot not because of what Lot had done at all. God rescued Lot because there was a covenant-keeping man who was praying for him. God looked at Abraham and thought, you are a covenant keeper and you are praying, I will rescue Lot. In this story, Abraham comes and he cries out to God, God of mercy, and God says, fine, I will rescue him. You might say, yeah, but there is no Abraham for us today. 
But the honest truth is that we know Jesus Christ as the ultimate covenant keeper. We know that Jesus came and lived a perfect life. He never sinned. He never did wrong. He kept the law, the covenant, completely dying in our place. And now is interceding before the Father to say, would you spare that one? God in his heart wants to rescue you, not because of what you've done, but because of what he's done. And if we start 2022 and think, oh, new leaf, yeah, come on, fresh start, I'm good. We kid ourselves. Oh, yeah, this is offensive, really, isn't it? Because often we read this story and think, there's bad men out there. And I'm going to say, actually, we all need rescuing. And God will not rescue you because you've paid your tithe, because you've read the Bible, because you've prayed. God rescues you because there is one who intercedes for you. We can read about this, can't we, in Romans 8. What shall we say then in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not along with him also graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies Who is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is interceding for us. The gospel story that we are discovering in the book of Genesis, last week it was the God who calls. I'm suggesting it is the God who rescues. The gospel is clearly this. God is our creator and judge. Man, some people don't want to start there. That's the gospel. My life is in a mess. I'm not trying to point other people. I accept my life is in a mess. I cannot save myself. Jesus literally rescues me. Paint yourself back into this picture. It's almost like I'm out here thinking I'm going to be the savior. He reaches out and grabs me back. I says, I've saved you, Pete. I am here dithering, thinking, oh, I just don't know. And he literally grabs my hand and says, come on, Pete, I will save you. I cannot save myself. This God who rescues is the picture of the Bible, is it not? It's not just this chapter. This gospel story gets outworked in so many different ways. The book of Judges is basically the people, they didn't have a king at the time, and they're in the promised land, they're trying to work it out, and they just get into a mess, and then the enemies come and attack them. So what do they do? They cry out to God, God, send us a rescuer. And God does. <laughs> and then they get back in a mess. <laughs> God, It's a picture, is it not? They get taken into exile because they turn their back on God, God's people. But they're in a mess. And when they're in exile, they say, God, will you rescue us? The Psalms are full of people crying out, God, rescue me. The New Testament is exactly the same. Paul writes to the church in in Colossians and says, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. God has rescued me. He writes to the Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 1.10. 
wait for the Son from heaven after he's raised from the dead. Jesus, who rescues us from coming wrath. As we go into 2022, I don't want us to say, hey, me and God, we're good. In fact, God, I think I'm going to include you in one of my goals this year. You never know what I might do for you. I'd love us to come into this year and say, God, you rescued me. You see, if we believe this, it would change everything. I think it's that central to the gospel. The danger is, if we think, I made a decision for Jesus, it impacts how we live. So if I realize that I've been rescued, I've got to be more forgiving to other people. Because I realize I was a mess. But if I think, hey, look, I'm one of the good guys and I deserve it, then I'm just judgmental to other people. Oh, no, but he rescued me. And I could look at somebody else and, and think, I think it's a bit of a mess. But I know a God who's gracious and he'll rescue you. He rescued me. I'm much more forgiving if I realize I've been rescued. I'm much more loving. Why would I want to reach out and invite someone to Alpha? He rescued me. And he said, I want to rescue as many as I can. Yeah, there's this picture, isn't there? Go! Come on, do you know anyone? Do you know anyone in Ely? <laughs> Neighbours, friends, work colleagues. Go and tell them. Oh, but they might laugh at me. But he's rescued me. And I just don't want to hold back from offering that to someone else. Why do I want to come here? 10.30 on a Sunday morning. Slight nudge. Yeah, 10.30 we start. <laughs> Why don't I come here 10.30 on a Sunday morning? I'm going to worship him because he rescued me. It's not, oh, well, I, you know, I'm rocking when I can. I know he rescued me. And if he rescued me, surely one of the most important moments of my day is that I come back and thank him. Why would I want to live as a radical disciple for Jesus when it's tough and I'm out of step with the world and I suddenly feel a bit different? He rescued me. You see, this gospel picture should profoundly change us. I feel undone as I've looked at it this week. Historically, I've always thought, oh, I'm a righteous man who lives in a bad city. And God will whisk me out of here. I just, just looked at it. I felt God stir me again. Look, I know it was in my own heart. He came and saved me. And I hope you know that too. It may be you're here today. And, oh, golly, I, I didn't realize this is what Christian. This is why we encourage you to do an Alpha course, to find out what it's all about. You might not want to wait. You might want to pray a prayer that Mark's going to lead us in. We so often sing the song. I know the band's going to come and lead us in a song now. It's a different one. This is one just challenged me. He's our rescuer. He's our rescuer. We are free from sin forevermore. Oh, how sweet the sound. Oh, how grace abounds. We will praise the Lord our rescuer. There is good news for the captive. Good news for the shame. There is good news for the one who walked away. There is good news for the doubter, the one religion failed. For the good Lord has come to seek and save. Jesus, we want to thank you that you are the rescuer. 
Father, we want to thank you that even now you delay your return that others may have the chance to be rescued. We find that breathtaking, humbling. Forgive us when we've misunderstood this. Forgive us when we've been proud of what we've done. Forgive us when we feel we could save ourselves or anyone. We can't. We are so grateful that you are our rescuer. We love you, Lord. Amen.